Well, folks, good morning to you, Deep Shoe. It's Jerry Adams here again. And there are three issues I'd like to talk to you about in this podcast. First of all, I want to bring to your attention the little book that Father Joe McVeigh has written about his close friend and colleague, Father Des Wilson. And these two men didn't just share a vocation. They also shared a passionate belief in justice and were committed, and Joe still is, to standing up to the rights of citizens against the British state apparatus, which was oppressive and violent. Father Des died on November the 5th, 2019. He was aged 94. He lived a full life, a good life. In the course of those long years of service, he helped thousands of people. During the dark years of war and violence, he lived and worked in Ballamurphy and Springhill. With Joe McVeigh, Des established the Community for Social Justice, and its role was to highlight the real nature of violence in Ireland and to challenge the leaders of the Catholic Church. Father Des believed that the Church had a moral responsibility to stand against injustice and repression. And this tribute, which his friend Father Joe has just published, it's called Father Des, A Voice for the Poor and Oppressed, tells the story of Des, his early life, his work as a priest in St. John's Parish and then in Bella Murphy and Springhill, and the setting up of the Springhill Community House, wonderful institution. And I'm honoured to have written the foreword. Father Joe says of Springhill Community House, Des had a deep love and respect for the people in the Bella Murphy Springhill community in which he lived. He always had time for a conversation, a bit of crack, a cup of tea. The door was always open. There was always a kid made of falsia. Conversations at lunch in Springhill were lively and interesting. Springhill Community House became a house of hospitality, somewhat like the Catholic worker homes in America, which had been set up by Dorothy Day and Peter Murren in the 1940s and the 1950s. And indeed, somewhat like the Celtic monasteries in years gone by. Father Des was deeply affected by the killing of his fellow priest, his colleague, Father Q. Mullen, and the ten local people who were murdered by the British Army's Parachute Regiment in August 1971 during the internment swoops. The Bell Massacre left families and the community devastated and Des was always there supporting their efforts for truth. For over 40 years, he was at the heart of many of the positive initiatives which emerged from West Belfast, including Springhill Community House, Conway Will, and the peace process. He was a leader, a man of great courage and vision, a great neighbour, an honest down-to-earth decent human being, as well as being a saggard. And Joe McVeigh's account of his life 
is evidence of a man who lived a long and full life and whose contribution to community politics, to education and to peace is immeasurable. It includes an acknowledgement of all those who worked with Father Des, including Noel Rahn and Elsie Best. So I want to commend Joe for reading this account of Des's life. It'll be available in all good bookshops once the pandemic has loosened things up or once the restrictions have been loosened up. And that includes an Ishog at 55 Falls Road. But it's available online from Kieran Cahill in Springhill Community House, priced £5 plus £150 for postage. I actually think that Des would appreciate this little tribute and the photographs and the presentation, and the printer has done a lovely job as well. Now, last week I had the great pleasure and honour to watch the online celebrations by the African National Congress of its 109th birthday. And you may think that's an odd number to celebrate a birthday, but 30 years ago, the ANC leadership was able for the first time in 30 years to publicly mark its 79th birthday following the unbanning of the party by the apartheid South African government. The ANC today faces many challenges. Its online celebration last Friday included a very good, a very positive and a very honest speech by President Cyril Ramaphosa. And there was also archive film footage of the historic press conference from 30 years ago, January 1991. The then ANC President Oliver Tambo, who had just returned home from 30 years of exile, Deputy President Nelson Mandela, who had been freed the year before after 27 years in prison, and Walter Sisulu, who spent 26 years in prison on Robben Island. And all of them spoke of their hopes for the future and their determination to achieve a free South Africa. And as I watched the online five-minute video of these three giants of the South African liberation struggle, I was reminded of all that has happened in that country and of the four years of difficult and dangerous negotiations that lay ahead of them. An agreement was finally achieved and in 1994, Nelson Mandela was elected president of a free South Africa. But as the three spoke in January 91, the outcome of the negotiations was uncertain. The political and the personal risks they were taking were enormous. Violence was still widespread. Thousands were still in prison. And there was significant opposition within the apartheid system to any negotiated settlement. The year after the 1994 election, I and other Irish Republicans had the honour and pleasure to meet Nelson Mandela and Walter Sisulu in person. In June 95, I travelled to South Africa as part of a Sinn Féin delegation to meet with their senior negotiators. And our objective was to talk to them about our strategies and tactics 
and to see what we could learn from their experiences for our peace efforts. The IRA cessation was then 10 months old and the British were stalling on establishing all-party talks. By the end of our visit, we had made many good friends, confounded the British, who had tried to block a meeting with President Mandela. And we were also very pleased to discover and reassured that our peace strategy and our tactics and the way we were trying to make advances was following the pattern used by the African National Congress. On our first day in the country, we were taken to have lunch with the national executive of the ANC at their party headquarters in Johannesburg. To our great surprise and our honour, Walter Susulu, the grand old man of African resistance, who had retired from his ANC position after the 94 elections. He was then aged 82. He made a special point of coming to the lunch. The room was packed, and all of us sat riveted to Walter Susulu's description of his 26 years in prison and his memory and deep respect and the solidarity that ANC prisoners had for Bobby Sands and his nine comrades who died in hunger strike 40 years ago this year. Comrade Susulu told us about hearing about Bobby's death. He described the silent tribute African National Congress prisoners across South Africa paid to their fellow freedom fighter. Most of our delegation was in tears by the time he was finished. Speaking to him privately afterwards, Walter told us that ANC prisoners marked and commemorated each of the hunger strikers who died. Mandela too spoke of the hunger strikers when we met him. On the wall calendar in his cell on Robben Island, on May the 5th, 1981, a simple single sentence is written. IRA murder Bobby Sands dies. Afterwards, I presented Walter with a wooden Celtic cross carved by Republican prisoners in Long Cash. It was one of several gifts made by prisoners that we had brought with us, some of which were actually damaged when the British opened our baggage in Heathrow Airport and a, an ANC former prisoner helped to repair them. Later, another ANC activist who had spent 15 years in Robin Island was to tell us that from that point, the point of the hate block hunger strike in 1981, ANC prisoners rarely spoke of a hunger strike. When they were discussing hunger strikes and whether they should use them and they employed hunger strikes themselves, they referred to it as a Bobby Sands. So this year we in Ireland will mark the 40th year from the 1981 hunger strike. It's important that like Walter Suzulu and Nelson Mandela that we remember and honour those who courageously give their lives for their comrades and whose extraordinary valour set an example for people in struggle across the world.
And finally, we've had a week of high drama in Washington, D.C. And there were unparalleled uh, events there. And I presume that the consequences and the fallout will continue for years to come. I'm very familiar with Capitol buildings. I've visited there many times since my first visit to D.C. in September again in 1994. And I know many of those congressional and Senate representatives and their staffers who we have met regularly to discuss Ireland. So consequently, my thoughts last Wednesday, Richard McCauley alerted me to what was going on, asked me was I watching television, and as I did then turn on the television and watch the scenes in Capitol Building, my thoughts primarily were for the people who I knew, who worked there and who have worked with us many, many times, promoting peace and now promoting Irish unity in Ireland. And we have developed in Sinn Féin a really strong connection with whether they're Republicans or whether they're Democrats or whether they belong to no party at all. And Sinn Féin does not involve itself in the internal affairs of the USA, though I and others have rightly criticised some of President Trump's remarks and have consistently raised concerns about US foreign policy. But our main mission, our main point, in fact, the primary point in us going to the USA is to promote Irish interest, promote Ireland's interest. And we long ago have understood the importance of encouraging successive administrations to have a program which is underpinned by progressive foreign policy positions on Ireland. And we have worked closely with Irish America to make that happen. And that's the connection, that's the link between Ireland and those in the capital. Irish America is the connection. So I want to extend best wishes to all our friends on Capitol Hill. And I also would like to thank some of those congressional members who will no longer be on the Hill and who were steadfast with us for a long time. Friends like Elliot Engel, Peter King and Joe Kennedy. I want to thank you all, friends, for your work. And finally, congratulations to Boston Mayor Marty Walsh, who's been appointed to President Biden's cabinet as Secretary for Labour. In a video message in November, at the opening ceremony of the 2020 Golden Bridges Conference, which links Northwest Ireland and Irish America, Marty Wells said, and I quote, Under the leadership of President-elect Biden, the United States is ready to move forward and to once again live up to our highest ideals. And we are committed to supporting peace and unity in Ireland too. So I have every confidence that our friends are, will continue, that the new administration and the new Congress and the Senate will build on the positive work 
that's been done in recent years. And I wish them well. Gunyiri and Ta Libsha. Slan Aharja 